Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for listening. Great show this week. Two guests. First up, Nate Burleson from Good Morning Football, who is departing that show. If you follow me on Twitter and read Trainer Thoughts, you know I'm a big fan of Good Morning Football. have been since day one. Nate leaving to go to CBS to co-host their morning show, CBS This Morning. And uh, he talks about the decision to leave Good Morning Football, join CBS, what his ultimate goals are. Got into uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast that he did that was a smash hit NFL playoffs last year. And uh, Nate does a tremendous Jay-Z impersonation during the podcast as well. Following Nate, James Andrew Miller, author, writer, uh, reporter, discusses uh, ESPN, what's going on with the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning show, who's going to be the host, uh, talks about uh, Max Kellerman leaving first take, and then we get into some Curb Your Enthusiasm stuff and a little chat about the Sopranos prequel, Curb and the Sopranos movie, both coming out in October. Before we get to Nate and James Andrew Miller, just a reminder, if you miss any previous episodes, please go into the archives, check them out. Joe Buck was on the show last week, Roman Reigns, Chris Mando, Russo two weeks ago, Ian Eagle, Three weeks ago, Brian Curtis from The Ringer four weeks ago. All those podcasts in the archives. If you can subscribe, that helps tremendously and rate and review. I'm going to start reading reviews on the pod every week during the Train of Thought segment, which we also have following Nate and uh, James Andrew Miller. We do Train of Thoughts with Sal Akata, talk about Hard Knocks, SummerSlam, and uh, this guy suing Nirvana, who's on the cover of their Nevermind album. So big show. Let's get right to it right now with Nate Burleson. All right. Joining me now, I'm a, I'm a little sad about this, but happy for him because he's leaving my favorite morning show, Good Morning Football. 
Going on to the CBS Morning Show, CBS This Morning, Nate Burleson, who's been on the pod many times. Nate, congrats. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on the pod again, Jay. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's 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 a joyous but also somewhat sad week for me. You know, I'm moving on to another job, but I'm leaving my crew. I said it on yeah. the show. It's it's the longest team that I've ever been a part of. The most I've ever spent on one team from a football perspective is four years. So five years with Kay, Kyle and Peter and everybody else behind the scenes. Um, it's it's a little sad. It's coming to an end for me. I'll still be doing some stuff on the show, just not in studio. Right, right. You guys did five years together. This, yeah. this would have been year six. Um, yeah, you know, I have to say, I, I've you know, I talked to to Kyle and Peter every now and then, and I, and I did mention to Kyle, I think maybe even last season, like it's so good, but you're all so good on the show that it has to break up eventually because I'm sure every all four of you getting offers like crazy. Um, so I, I was hoping we'd get one more season out of you. I, I thought for sure this would be the last season with the four of you together. And then obviously, um, you know, and it's one of those things too, where there was, I, I'm sure it didn't take you more than one second to decide to take this. I mean, you have to take that job. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Listen, you know, contrary to what people may believe, um, it, it took, a long time for me to make this decision really basically because one i am a loyal guy so if i'm locked in with one squad i'm not looking to join another team i remember being in college and i'm at nevada reno and first year i had to sit out because of some transcripts from from high school that didn't transfer over um second year decent 50 catches third year decent like 50 catches and then everybody starts knocking on my door and they're like oh we see the potential in this guy all these big schools are coming and calling and saying, come join our squad. Some were saying you can sit out. Some were saying you can play right away. I bring all this up because I had an opportunity to leave Nevada, Reno, um, even University of Washington and Washington State, where I'm from. And I just thought to myself, ah, like I'm loyal to the soil. Nevada, Reno was one of the first schools. They were most aggressive and they gave me an opportunity. So I stuck it out. Now, we didn't end up going to a bowl game, but that last year when I decided to come back, my junior season, I had 138 catches, led the nation in, in every category and was an All-American. And that wouldn't have happened if I would have joined some big school that had a, a host of wide receivers and I was just one of many. Um, so, you know, that was always an example for me to, to stick with it through the tough times. Um, and, you know, times haven't really been tough. We're talking about TV, but uh, there have been opportunities for me to leave. Y year in and year out, there's whispers of new platforms, starting new shows and big money being thrown around. And I just I, I just kept putting it off. And then when this opportunity came, I just thought, man, I, I don't want to leave right now. I want to leave when everybody else leaves. I want to leave when it's when it's finally over, like when we have a season finale or a series ending finale. Um, but I didn't know when that was. And I wasn't going right. to walk away from CBS this morning um, because it's it's such a, a storied show with a rich history. And there's not too many opportunities like this in TV. Right. Not too, right. We, we look at it as real estate. It's like there's not too many homes available, not too many seats available like that. Right. Absolutely. And, I, you know, you you probably can't or won't say this, but I'll say it. And this is no disrespect to the NFL Network because I watch Good Morning Football every morning. But of course, in in the media world, if you're in it, 
you can't compare the money that NFL Network would pay to what Network CBS for the morning show would pay, which is, I mean, those morning shows, you know, it's funny, we're in this day and age where, you know, people think broadcast TV is dead and it's all about streaming and this, the amount of money that those morning shows make on CBS and NBC and, you know, today's show, Good Morning, is, you know, astronomical. So from that standpoint, I know people don't like to say, you know, oh, it's about the money or that, but right. you'd be insane to pass that deal up. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah, well, Strahan, he, he laid the blueprint. And people were wondering why he kept elevating and, and, and leapfrogging and making these moves into these spaces that players um, and African-American players traditionally don't find themselves in. Um, and, and then you start hearing the whispers of how much Strahan is making. Now, I'm not <laughs> Strahan. I'm not making Strahan money. Um, right. you, have to, you have to get a footing in, in, in this space and you have to create some longevity. And then the checks become bigger and bigger. Right. But you're right. right, though. Morning news, daytime TV. Um, even, you know, those political shows on CNN, MSNBC and Fox, like it, it's it's a different type of viewership. You know, we're, we're, instead of talking to hundreds of thousands of people that are diehard sports fans for their particular team, you are talking to millions of people that are interested in what's going on, not just in their country, but globally. Now tell me, I know you're still you're still Nate's gonna still be doing the NFL today every right. Sunday. Um, but I'm just curious now for you personally, now you're not talking football Monday through Friday for yeah. for three hours. You're gonna do news. I'm sure there'll be a ton of pop culture stuff and all that on those on those morning shows. Um you li- like did you like th- the thought of that like are you worn out from talking about football five days a week or do you think you'll miss talking about football five days a week i'm not worn out um but i do have interest in other things uh, you know i when you're talking football 24 7 um which you know there are times where i was working seven days a week and it's football, football, football for a few different networks. And then I come home and I'd be the voice for DraftKings. And then I do a podcast for Uninterrupted. And it's all sports related. Um, The monotony of what you're talking about, not the actual sport, but the subject matter, um, it starts to wear on you. So switching things up was always the plan. That's the reason why I went into Extra. Extra wasn't paying me an astronomical number, but the opportunity to work in the entertainment space and prove that I'm as versatile as any other TV personality out there. Um, that was the point. And strategically it worked out exactly how I wanted it to. Um, as far as um, being excited about talking um, about things other than sports, um, it, it does intrigue me tremendously. Um, and, and it's not just because, you know, I want to learn on the job, uh, you know, a, a quick rundown resume, about me for people who don't know much more than Nate Burleson, a football player, and Nate Burleson, the TV host. Um, During my career, I launched multiple clothing lines. Um, I owned an Italian restaurant in Seattle. I helped create a firm that um, encourages, educates, and helps athletes invest their money wisely. Um, I have been writing poetry since the seventh grade and still do to this day. At a very young age, I thought I was going to be a painter or um, a famous artist because I had uh, 
easel and paintbrushes. And um, I, I thought that the artistic lane was going to be the one that I, I lived the majority of my life. Um, so all of these things, they create who I am right now. So when you're when you see me on the news in the morning and I'm doing a piece about small business, you know, surviving the pandemic or um, I'm talking to an artist at um, a museum um, or I'm in the field in the financial district, um, you know, doing a piece on, you know, the volatility of the stock market. It's not because I'm I'm thrown into these spaces without any knowledge of them most of the time. I have knowledge of, of them because I live in those spaces currently. So um, I'm not saying I know everything, but when I'm saying majority of the things that people talk about and cover in the morning news, that's my daily life. So uh, I'm excited about that. And, and I'm excited for people to see the other side of it, not the, the athlete that's articulate and eloquent. No, oh, he can speak well. And, you know, he's a pretty good TV host and he can read the teleprompter. You know, I like it when he interviewed J-Lo and I caught him on the mm-hmm. red carpet with Pacino. Like, yeah, I like Nate. Um, there's, a, there's a completely different side of Nate Burleson. And at the same time, I get to learn on the job. You know, a lot of um, why I can call into any show, show up on any set and not study about um, any topic and say, just just ask me anything about football. And I'm I'm always ready to answer is because I've been studying um, football for the last seven years because I work the job. So you have to prepare and by osmosis, you download stuff that you don't even know that you um, have knowledge of. And I'm really excited about that in this new space. So for the gaps that I may have, and news coverage, uh, whether it's very obscure geographical locations, um, political pockets that I might not be um, caught up on, I get to learn on the job, um, which is exciting. And at this age, at the age of 40, that is a thrill to me. Because when I come home and I'm talking about all these things, when I'm talking to my sons about cryptocurrency and I'm trying to figure out a way to to open up a Robinhood or Anchor app or talking to my friend at Merrill Lynch and asking the the age requirement for them to open up an investment account. These are things that are part of uh, Nate Burleson's everyday life, um, which is which is going to be exciting because I get to talk about these on a daily basis. Yeah, it's all about being well-rounded. Let me let me ask you this. I'm just curious. Yeah. NFL wide receiver. Television broadcaster. Yeah. Started your own clothing line, opened an Italian restaurant, which was the hardest? Uh, I would say opening a restaurant. I was, you know, I, I, I was, I thought, because I've always said, I, I, I may have said this on this, I think the, the restaurant business is the hardest business to be in. It really you have is. to deal with so much, you know, you're dealing with like codes and, you know, liquor license. And, and then you're dealing with customers who are certifiably insane. Everyone wants their, you know, everyone's a pain in the ass. Everyone wants their food. Well done. Not ri- on the side. This can yeah. I substitute like, and you have to be nice. It's a customer service business. That's a hard business. It really is. You know, and, and I didn't hop in a chain and, and just, uh, and it put my money into something that was already working. It was a second restaurant of a one of one. So, um, you know, we had to go through everything, um, the real estate, the permits, the codes within the building, um, you know, making sure that we have a harmonious relationship with the next door businesses. 
And like you said, the liquor licenses and then, you know, trying to figure out how I want my specific menu to be different from the original. Um, but it, it was it was worth it. And in the hand to hand transactions, like, you know, learning about the failure rate of restaurants is one thing. Um, you know, you kind of go into it um, steadying up on you know how successful you you may or may not be. But I remember learning how much money is lost at the bar and ha- having a great relationship with my um, bartender. And uh, every day I'd walk in, it was like cheers, because that was really one of the main reasons why I opened the restaurant, because I did want to walk into a place where everybody knew my name. Sounds silly, but, you you know, you don't realize, you know, what has impacted you um, when you watch it as a kid and how it manifests itself as an adult. But um, I would walk in and bartender like, hey, yo, Nate, what's up, man? Same drink. I'll, I'll send it to your table. I go in the back. I relax. I'm looking at this 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 idea that that turned into a material, tangible thing um, work in real time. But then I'd have these real conversations about how money is being lost and even sometimes being stolen. And I was like, golly, man, running a restaurant is hard. Now, do I want to do it again? Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I have I have a little bit of knowledge in that space. So, yeah, to answer your question a long winded way, it's restaurants for sure. Yeah, I was I, I had a, I, I had a feeling you'd say that. Um, but so on the CBS morning show, I assume we'll see in some cooking segments since you have that background there. We'll see you mixing yeah. it up there. And, and I love to cook as an adult. So um, I want to do it all, man. I, I really do. And I was talking to some producers the other day and I said, I know the easy thing will be to pitch. Um, sports segments. And don't get me wrong, I'll do it. You know, I, I'm a sports nut. I love basketball, low key. Like it was my first love. So I love it more than football. Of course, we can talk football, baseball, boxing, I mean, MMA, um, soccer. So, like any sport, we can talk rugby. I'm just a fan of athletic ability. Uh, and, and not even in a sense of just running and jumping. We can talk, you know, golf and, and table tennis. It doesn't matter to me. Sports is sports. So sports segments, cool, pitch them. But I had to tell the producers and and my team, um, think outside the box. Because when you get to know me, like, that's what people think. They're like, damn, like, I didn't realize Nate was, um, you know, this interested in a wide variety of things. And I want to be uncomfortable. And I know this isn't like investigative journalism, but there is a part of me that wants that. I want you to send me on the scene into the thick of it. I want to have real conversations. You know, I wish I had this job during the turmoil in this country and I can go talk to people on opposing ends of racism, you know, and 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 talk to individuals that might not see this country the way I see it or might look at my skin and see me differently than I see myself. I'm willing to have those conversations and I want to have those conversations. So um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of surface work as a football analyst and, and sports host, which, you know, surface work pays the bills. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I make people happy. I can I can, you know, talk about your favorite team in a clever way. And I got jokes and puns. But I do want to, when I retire, leave a deeper impact. Um, and. I think there's space for me to grow and achieve things that I had never dreamed of. I didn't think I was going to be an Emmy winner, Emmy winner, winner, let alone three time, you know, the regional one and the two I won this past year. 
And now I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe my path in the NFL and never making it to a Super Bowl and not becoming a Hall of Famer and having injuries that kind of derailed like consistency throughout my career. Maybe that created this hunger inside of me as an adult where now I can go grab trophies that I didn't think were offered to me. You know, now that I have a sports in me, I want to win um, a, 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 an Emmy in Day- morning TV. Right, right. Daytime. Man. It's out there and it's available. So um, I want I want to do that and be part of this team. And I'm not saying I'm the missing piece. I'm not like the, the Robert Ori or anything to the squad. <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, I'm going to do my best to bust my behind and prove and earn the trust of everybody involved in the morning news over at CBS. I'm sure you'll be great because, like I said, I mean, it's all about versatility on a, on a show like that, too. I mean, like you said, I mean, one morning you could be, you know, you're covering a COVID outbreak and one morning you're doing a cooking segment. One morning you could be talking right. about the milk, milk crate challenge. I mean, that's that's basically <laughs> yeah. how it goes on those shows. Yeah, we, need to, we need to hire you as a producer and you got it. You got the rhythm <laughs> of the show already, man. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I said this to Kyle recently. I, you know, I've always been from day one. I was a fan of your show. I've always loved it. And I said to him, you know. I give you guys more credit for what you do on Good Morning Football in the off season than during the season. Oh, man. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and try to say it's easy during the season, but you have the game. So like a Monday show is probably like the easiest thing for you to do. Stories, the Thursday night. I watch you guys in the off season and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how they do this. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's rough yeah, sometimes. It's, it's tough that during the season, the story stories write themselves. So we're basically coming in and adding just a little bit of color. I mean, the, the vibrancy of games within themselves, the storylines, the drama, the injuries. Um, we just come in and it's like we're playing second fiddle or we're the supporting actor to um, the main actor of the movie, which is football. In the offseason, it's tough. It's tough. And the best the, there's there's the gift and the curse. The gift is we have time and there's a little more space for us to be creative. Um, we produce up a lot of our segments. Um, and on top of that, we can work on certain things that we usually wouldn't get the time to work on during the season. Now, the curse is that it's it's a bit more exhausting. I'll just call it what it is. I remember going to an NBA game years ago. I was in Los Angeles and I'm in LA and I'm like, man, this is, this is it. You got celebs court side, you know what I'm saying? You got Kobe over there. Like this is, this is heaven. Um, and I, I was thinking, man, I hope I came to a Laker game with one of those great halftime shows that would make this game perfect. You know what I mean? I got, I got all my favorite players I'm watching. Right. I'm looking at the celebs, like, um, you know, hope, I hope I don't get a lackluster, uh, uh, halftime, halftime show. So this lady comes up, and she's on a unicycle. And I'm like, oh, unicycle lady. And then she starts juggling. I'm like, unicycle juggling lady. And then she pulls out some plates. And I'm like, oh, a couple of plates. And then she starts stacking and spinning these plates. And the plates are hot. It looks like something out of like a uh, cat in a hat, you know? And I just kept thinking to myself, that must be the most difficult thing ever to keep your mouth on a unicycle spinning these plates in multiple hands, switching hands, jumping bowl to bowl and plate to plate. And, and that's how I describe, and that's how I look at in my mind, GMFBI off season. Like people may not know, they tune in and they're like, yeah, I have such a good time, but really we get done and we're just happy we didn't drop a plate. You know what I'm saying? We're just happy we didn't drop a bowl because 
trying to balance information and entertainment in an off season where there isn't football is I think uh, some of our best work. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I, I meant to ask you this earlier, um, and then we'll, I want to talk about like your last couple of days here at GMFE, but were you surprised at all about how overwhelmingly positive the reaction was to the Nickelodeon game? I was. Really? I was. Um, social media hmm. is one of the most vicious hmm. um, you know, lanes of communication we have in society. You know, people hop on there just to crash cars. Um, people hop on there that don't know how to drive. Um, you know, and even when you have a nice driver that wants to wave and say, hello, nice car, there's somebody zooming by flipping you off. Like that's, that's what the information highway of social media is. It's Most one of the best of it, descriptions I've ever heard. I just, it, to, and I it's real. And, and yeah. what happens out of, out of the, you know, mm-hmm. out of the hundred cars that drive by, we pay attention to the car that honks the horn, the jerk that looks at us, the one that rolls down the window and says, you suck, um, the one that flips us off. It's just human nature. It happens all the time when we're actually walking around every day. We can see a, uh, get 10 people wave to us. And one person that like looks at us nasty, it bothers us. So I was just waiting for that. And I, I thought on the flip side, it would be more of that. What? Football Nickelodeon? Nate? Like, why is he even calling games? I know he did some preseason stuff with the Rams and the Lions back in the day. But, like, who is this dude? I was just waiting. And I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I just couldn't find it. And, I mean, there are a few detractors. But for the most part, I think people saw the effort we were trying to put in. Um, and it was simply to bridge the gap between a younger generation that casually watched the sport 
and an older generation that are traditionalists and might not want to watch it in the format that Nickelodeon will put it. But I think surprisingly, a lot of adults, old and young adults, looked at it and said, oh, this is more entertaining than I thought. And I, I had to find that balance. I didn't want to come in and just be wacky and goofy. And let's just talk about Double Dare for four quarters. I was like, nah, you know, let me yeah. let me actually find the, the the blend. I mean, make create a hybrid between my memories of Nickelodeon, the memories of Nickelodeon now, and then marry that with not football for dummies, but like basic level information of football while talking a, about a football game in the playoffs. Like, it's, it's not the preseason. You know, I can't, I can't just come up there and, 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 and say a whole bunch of nothing and people will be entertained. Right. I had to make sure there was a respect for the game that they're watching. Like, right. these are dudes playing for the Super Bowl, at least a chance at it. So um, I, was, I was overwhelmed, man. And, and I think that response said enough about – the demographic of young men and women that would love to watch the game in a different format. Well, and even, I think it was even old men and women too, like myself. Sure. I mean, everyone got sure. a kick out of it. So, you know, are we doing it again this year? Do you know, is it official do, or there's just talks so far? What do we know about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the NFL and Nickelodeon, they have created a relationship. Um, I'm going to be working with Nickelodeon in a small capacity every week. I can't give you too many details on that, but let's just say um, it's going to be an exciting show. Um, but then uh, as far as games go, yeah, I, I, I believe that the NFL um, has started something that a lot of leagues will follow suit. Uh, just imagine playing basketball. Steph Curry shoots a three-pointer. It goes in, splashes, Right. and slime and and you know imagine you know uh, watching uh, baseball you hit a home run as soon as the home run you know the the slime zone is the the crowd so um endless endless possibilities yeah uh let's uh let's talk about good morning football for a little bit before yeah. we wrap uh this is such a lame and cliche question but i'll do it anyway do you have a what is your favorite memory of the show don't give me like oh the relationships or the like give me I, a give me I a single you. memory I got you. Um, there was a moment in time, and Kyle talked about it a little bit on the show, where we turned into 15-year-old versions of ourselves. Like, we got so comfortable where um, we're just a lot of inside jokes, um, locker room humor uh, during the commercial break. And then whenever we had a stand-up segment, me and Kyle would just, like, wrestle with each other. And the first couple of times, it was just like a, like a Greco-Roman grapple. It's like, ah, 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 watch out, watch out. We keep our balance. We'll stay up. And then he took me down one time. I took him down one time. And then from there, we were tackling each other, like, every week. And I remember the lawyer, the producers, even some <laughs> execs from NFL Network were like, yo, y'all got to chill. Like, one – like you're going to damage something in here Two, more importantly, you guys are going to get hurt and it's on right. us. So you have to right. chill. So that was, that's a memory that I'll remember. Cause that's when I knew like we finally became uh, a team versus a group of people working together. Um, and then we had these outdoor shoots we were doing. We went to a park in New York and we're like shooting and shooting in a basket, throwing the football in a basket. Kyle climbs a fence and it's, butt crack is hanging out. He got the plumber's crack. And then we did this, uh, you know, pizza, pizza, like, like, like a field trip, it, but it's right. all on film. Yeah. And 
or eating a pizza and then we come up with this genius idea who can eat the pizza the fastest i'm competitive i'm going crazy i know i'm going to win i love pizza um of course people know i crash my car trying to save one and then kyle is ultra competitive like he wants to win everything right he was so confident i'm winning this are you kidding me i'm winning this (laughs) and it's it's funny because he survived but he almost died like (laughs) with no exaggeration and i i've been talking to the producers they're like what do you want to see on the show this week i was like find me the clip where kyle almost dies and legit he just shoves the whole pizza in his mouth barely chews it so it gets stuck right in his uh, throat. yeah the cheese the cheese is a problem with and that, he yeah. didn't he didn't he couldn't say anything because he couldn't speak and at first we're like oh here's kyle because kyle's really good he's he's a, he's a former you know real world guy and a former soap opera actor so he knows how to grab the attention when we're when we're on the set and there's a four shot kyle knows how to do he'll do a shoulder shrug he'll give like a zoolander he he knows how to grab the scene so i'm thinking oh he's just playing it off so all the cameras can look at him by the time we realize he's not like joking we had to do the heimlich he's crying he's crying in pain i'm crying in tears so and all like, that all that's on film all that's on film and, oh, yeah, and, need- and just watch good morning football this week we'll, we'll show it well that was going to be my follow-up question was what can you give us a little tea like what's coming on friday for your last show because this podcast will come out very very early thursday morning so the people yeah, listening I, I, on thursday. i'm not sure you know what we'll have i'm i'm positive they'll have uh another guest you know we had dominic Riola and randy moss call in and uh you know i don't know if anybody caught it on camera, but like my eyes started to water, you know, when, when these guys came on, like today, I literally had to wipe my eye because Randy's sitting there with this big smile and he's talking glowingly about me. And, you know, he's a friend of mine, but when somebody's, you know, one of your idols of the game and big brothers and mentors, they never lose those titles either. He might, he may be like a friend or a brother now, but um, you know, for him to just be so happy for me, um, that meant a lot because this was the same dude that challenged me as a player and and instilled confidence in me that nobody would understand. Like nobody knows what it's like. Imagine being a basketball player and Michael Jordan not doing what you saw on the last dance, but like building up the young player and whispering to him how great he is and how you need to go off on these guys and they can't stop you. Like Randy was the best player in all of football. And he was whispering that in my ear in the games where he was out. And even sometimes the games that he was in, he's like, yo, like, you're the best on the field. I don't care who's out. They can't stop you. And as cool as I might have acted, you know, and like having that football face. And I'm like, all right, I got you. I'm about to go out there inside. I'm a kid doing backflips like Randy Moss is building me up. So that's special to me. Um, But, you know, I, I think we should have a. I think we should should have a couple of more guests showing up on Friday. Um, it might get emotional. I see a tear or two. I was going to say, if if you're tearing up on Wednesday, I bet we'll see you uh, balling by Friday. So yeah, maybe, man. I, yeah. I you know I I don't know. Here's the thing about me: um, everything that you might hear me say this week, and everything you might hear me say on Friday, um, I've said to my castmates face to face. I've even called them at times late, been out drinking, and just called them. Hey, I appreciate you told them how much I love them. I'm a very emotional person. I've taken everything that football has given me and I give that in every space that I'm in. So when I'm part of a team, I don't care if it's me coaching high school football, Don Bosco in New Jersey, just coaching the wide receivers. I'm, I'm talking to them like these, these little dudes are all my sons, not just my son on the team. 
Um, and the same thing with Good Morning Football. I talk to them the same way. So um, when you hear it, just know that it's been said before. So that might be the reason I don't cry, because I might have cried before telling them how much I love them. The chemistry was, spe- you know, it's hard enough in this business to get, you know, a lot of a lot of shows are two people and it's hard right. enough to get chemistry with two to get chemistry with four is really is really something. And you guys obviously had it. So thank you. I'll miss you on the show. Um, I, I I hope when you go to the CBS morning show, they still let you pick out your suits, because one of the best things about watching you on the NFL today and good morning football is seeing the outfit. Yeah. So I hope CBS doesn't try to tone you down with that. We need to. No, nah, no, nah, they're not. Um, I'm, I'm still going to bring a little spice now. I can't go crazy every day. Um, but I, I want to bring some um, some elements of the casual look uh, to the morning show. Uh, but at the same time, I have to respect the rich tradition and the legacy. You know, I, I can't show up day one with a T-shirt on and some ripped jeans. Right. I, I got to rock the suit and the well, tie. Yeah, but you have you have the you yeah, have the cool suits. You'll be. Good. I got the cool suits. But like, yeah. I'll tell you a quick, uh, funny suit story. I remember playing in Seattle and this is when my suits were loud and baggy and I really didn't know like how to buy a suit. I had the the old school B- Steve Harvey buttons that went up to the bottom of my neck, like 42 right. buttons on my on my blazer. And um, I had the colors of the teams we were playing. I picked my suits out long before the season started. And uh, the colors of the team were like within the suit, not like subtleties, like the stitching. I'm talking about just loud, vibrant right. colors. remember getting on the bus and Matt, Matt Hasselbeck was like, hey, so... um." Like, what are you going to do with all your suits when you get done playing? And I'm like, what do you mean? Matt, mind you, Matt is like, he, he acts like he's not joking. He'll ask you a question with the straight face. But really, he had it planned the whole time. And he always does it. What? What? So I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't like I, I'm aware of my guess. He's like, oh, because I thought like I thought like you were going to like be a like a like a pimp or something, you know, because the. They're like really loud, Nate. And he's like, didn't break us, didn't break a smile. And then everybody was giggling around them. And it's kind of one of the moments where I laugh too, but then I look down like, damn, these suits is pretty loud. You know what I'm saying? So um that taught me to like, I can still like grab attention, grab attention without being over the top. Right, right, right. Let this is the last question I'll ask you, and it's on a totally on a tangent, but it's all right. Do you it, think it's been it's been in my head since you said it at the at sort of the beginning of the interview and you talked about your college career at Nevada. I'm always fascinated. What is it like going to college in Las Vegas? Because college is basically Las Vegas. Reno. Reno. How far is Reno from Las Vegas? Can you get to it's like, it's like eight hours driving. You know Okay. So you couldn't be on the strip when you want Like you couldn't be like on a Friday night at like eight o'clock. You can't be like, let's go down to the strip. Nah, nah. Okay, well, guys, okay, okay. guys went out there to kick it. And, you know, they call uh, Reno the biggest little city in the world. I used to call it like a bootleg Vegas. It's a lot bigger and brighter and better now. But like when I was there, you can go from one end to Reno um, to the other in like 15 minutes. It's very small. And, right. and, you know, for what it's worth, there's certain things that mimicked uh, uh, Las Vegas. You know, we had the strip and we had the the clubs, you had gentlemen's clubs, you had the, the gambling. Right. Um but like all of that was so far fetched for me. Even if I was a school in Vegas, like I didn't have any money. Like I was right. broke. Not like right. not like you know I had a little bit of money and they give us the the, the stipend and I, no, like we didn't have the big checks like they were getting at the big schools. I know guys right. that I, I I met in the league. And they're like, oh, we were getting twenty five hundred a month. I'm like twenty five hundred. We were getting six hundred dollars. I had uh, three hundred dollars for my rent. 
I had to buy food. I was dating my girlfriend, who's my wife now. And I still had to find time to like buy myself some some Sikonis or Sakonis, however you want to pronounce it. Right. So I didn't have a lot of like liquid cash, a lot of excess cash. So even if I wanted to indulge in the quote unquote nightlife of Reno or Vegas, if I was there, like I wouldn't even have enough. So um, luckily I didn't have any bad habits like gambling or partying. Um, You know, usually uh, being broke, it it kind of uh, it smothers any habits that you want to have. I've just always been fascinated by people who go to college in Las Vegas because I think the last thing a college student needs is all that temptation. But you know, you know what though? Like I was always fascinated with um, guys who went to big schools. So like we had like twelve thousand full time students when I was there, and then I got drafted and guys that are from like Oklahoma and Oregon and Michigan State and and literally like like a kid from some podunk country town, which I'm not. I'm from Seattle. I would ask them like, Yo, what was it like to play in Florida? And their answers would always shock me. They're like, yo, like we were we were NFL players. Everybody loved us. Like we were the biggest thing on campus. Right. I would meet a girl my senior year and I'd go up to her and be like, hey, what's up, baby? How you doing? Oh, man, you just got here. You just transferred. You look good. You want to go out? And the girl would be like, I've been here for four years. Uh, and that's how big our school is. You know, you, you, you run into somebody four years later that you've been going to school with the whole time. I was always I always thought like. More so than Vegas, being a superstar school is like that. Like you're gonna have to like figure it out. You know, prime right. example is like Johnny Manziel. Right, for sure. I think him being such a superstar stifled his like career path because once he got in the league in Cleveland, like what was Cleveland or at least the NFL lifestyle going to show him that he didn't already experience at Texas at Texas A&M? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's a good point. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Best of luck at CBS. I'll miss you on uh, Good Morning Football. And uh, even though you're, you know, you're going to be doing CBS, I still want you on the pod. So, of course, man. Well, listen, be in touch. And you are, you are one of luck. the best in the business, Jay. I appreciate the work <laughs> you put in. You're, you're diligent with your efforts. Um, you know, you, you, you put in um, the necessary, uh, the necessary like hard work that people don't get to see. Um, I appreciate that. Oftentimes the end result is an article or a podcast or something that you write or tweet for a guy who knows the work you put in. um, I just want to say for the world to know um, that those those long nights and early mornings don't go unnoticed, my brother. I appreciate that. That did. Very nice of you to say. Thank you. And good luck. No doubt. Let's do this again. Let's let's do it. Let's do it uh, in a few weeks or maybe a month. The season kicks off. Um, yeah, yeah. Just talk about let's talk about early season surprises and early season disappointments. That that'll, that'll uh, be I'll, I'll have that. to find out. I'll have to find out if you met Oprah yet. Now that okay, you're yeah, we'll get definitely. some Oprah I, stories. I, I, it's one of those things. You know, you hang out with somebody <laughs> famous that knows somebody else that's super famous. You, you kind of got to play it off. You got to let it let it happen organically. <laughs> of course. Quick story before we go, and I, I'll, yeah. I'll end you with this. Being in New York, I've always wanted to meet Jay-Z. Like, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Like, I feel like he shifted the culture. He talked to, you know, the young uh, African-American male who wanted to wear baggy shirts forever and put rims on their car. And he changed his game and everybody else followed suit. No more jerseys. Wear button-ups and stop putting rims on your cars. You know, leave it stock. He And now he's talking about stocks and bonds and business and venture capitalism and cryptocurrency, all of this, right? So I feel like over the course of his career, coming from where he came from, He's used his music to help elevate the mind. That's why I love Jay-Z. All right, I just want to set it up like that. Now, 
I always thought in New York, I'm gonna run into him. I know people at Rock Nation. I know people at Rock Nation that send me clothes um, from their Plains brand. I, one of my closest friends, really like one of my best friends here in New Jersey, um, shout out to Jamil Spencer, um, great man, great husband, great father. Our kids know each other. They play on the same teams. He knows Jay-Z like personally. He knows like Diddy personally. They like, they worked together for years, close friends, families kicked it together. They done been on private jets and parties together. So it was one of those things where I always kind of wanted to be like, Hey, yo, what's up? Can you just set up a meeting? Can we like, can you say like you, you, you meet him for coffee and I'm with you mm-hmm. in the back of my mind? I'm like, nah, cause then yeah. like that's corny. And like, you don't want to meet somebody on your terms and, and they're just kind of like casual about the meeting. Fast forward to last year. Um, I'm in LA. I'm down there for some business. I go to uh, nice guy, which is this nice little low key restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Hard to get into. Can't take pictures in there. It's always like a celeb in there. Right. So I'm in there chilling. I'm having a drink with my boy. I'm like, yo, that's Jay-Z over there. He's like, oh yeah, that's what's up. But it's one of those spots where you don't pull up on anybody. You can't just right. walk in and be like, hey, yo, what's up, Jay? How you doing? Because security might be like, yo, we all in here chilling. Like, this is this is the boutique vibe. Like, come on, right. don't bother him. Um, and then if I come across, even if he recognizes me, like everybody in there is gonna be looking at me like, who's this random black dude? Like, you don't run up on anybody while they're sitting down at dinner, chilling and having a good time. So right. he gets up, he walks off, and I'm like, damn, man, I should have said something <laughs> to Jay. Like I should at least like gave him a nod while he walks by. I remember freezing up when I was in Miami and seeing Michael Jordan. I was like, I'm never going to let that happen again. That'll be another story for another time. So he walks out and I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I get up. I walk out. He's still waiting on his car outside. He's chilling. Jay-Z got the New York fit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, how you doing, Jay? My name is Nate Bros. He's like, yeah, how you doing? I know you are. And I'm like, oh, man, nice to meet you, bro. Like, I'm a big fan. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, you're doing your thing, NFL and all that. And I'm like, okay, man, look, well, uh, I uh, I just want to tell you that uh, I moved to New York about three or four years ago. And the way this works is I'm going to see you around. Um, you know, not, not because I, I'm feeling myself. It's just because... I'm making moves in your city and um, eventually I'm going to be doing enough to where um, you're going to notice my name. And he was like, yeah, you know, respect, respect. <laughs> and he just dapped me up and that was it. And I left like, um, and that was, that was when I talked to Jay. So it was almost yeah. good that I didn't meet him at any other point before that. Because right. Because I was right. just the guy talking football. And what, what kind of rush was it when he said he knew who you were? It, it was, it was incredible. It was like when Pacino said he knew who I was. Al Pacino right. was like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. You do the football show, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a big football fan. And I was like, what? Time out. I looked at the, yeah. I was working with Extra. I looked at my cameraman and I said, cut the camera for a second. I'm about to fan out. I said, I, I had the <laughs> microphone. I said, I, said, uh, I said, do you, like, Mr. Patino, you know who I am? Yeah, I, I love football. He's like, yeah, you work on the morning show and then Sundays. I was like, what's going on? So um, whenever I hear somebody that say, like, yeah, I know who you are, and it, and it's not football related. Like, Pacino didn't say, man, I loved it when you played with Randy Moss. He was talking about my work in TV. Like, that right there is a mark of a guy who has successfully transitioned out of yeah. one chapter into the other. So I, I had a similar experience where I interviewed Tom Brady once in person. This was many years ago. And when I introduced myself, I said, oh, Jimmy Trainer for Sports Illustrated. I write this column called Hot Clicks at the time. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know it. And I totally thought he was bullshitting. I didn't believe him for one second. But... You know, if it is true, that's pretty cool. But I, I, I was hey, like, uh, 
but it may, but for a split second, whether right, split, he was just right. trying to be nice or he actually knew, either yes. way, it's kind of trippy and it makes you feel good because yeah. Tom Brady, even if he didn't know, he didn't have to be nice. So that makes you think right there that he actually do. And I will bet you Tom Brady does. Tom Brady doesn't say things just the same. So right. I bet you he was a big fan right. of your work. All right. Well, I'm a big fan of yours. So good luck and uh, have fun on Friday. All right, brother. Have a good All right. one. Thank you. You too. All right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, joining me now, SI Media Podcast regular. Always good to check in with the man who knows everything about ESPN and HBO, Saturday Night Live, a few other things. James Andrew Miller. Jim, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, despite the circumstances of the world. Yeah, doing what? Curb's coming back in October. Come on. It's been a good week. We got the news on Curb, and we've got the NFL starting up in two weeks. Um, so let's start with that because you are the man who knows everything about ESPN and wrote that phenomenal book. It's funny. I, I talk to a lot of people in the sports media world, sports media business. There's a lot of buzz for who's going to get the host of the Peyton Eli Manning show on the Monday night football alternative or alternate, I guess, uh, broadcast. What can you tell us about that? What do you got on that? Uh, I don't know the answer, but I will say this, that uh, they're making a pretty big deal of it. You know, as you know, Peyton was somebody that they thought of for the booth originally, um, wanted them, wanted him badly. I think Peyton made a smart decision not competing with Romo and not having to jump into that morass. But I think this actually is going to be fun and it's going to be pretty cool. And so this is a really, this is a great assignment. And Maria's gone and 
they have a bunch of new talent to look at and people have been there for a while. So it's, it's one of the most highly coveted assignments that's come up at ESPN in a while. And there's certainly been a lot of jockeying for it. Can, are there any names you can drop or you're not comfortable doing that? I'm who's not, in the running? Do we know who's uh, in the mix? Cole's under the penalty of death. Yeah. Um, so not to be a jerk, but I just want to kind of keep that promise. But Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think, is there any chance they'd go outside of ESPN for a host? Well, I think, look, as much as... I don't want to... Let let me just say this for anyone listening before you get to it, because I don't know if everyone... You know, this isn't as much an ESPN deal as it is... This is a Peyton Manning deal. It's his production company. He's going to call the shots here. That's why I ask about going outside of ESPN. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I think that that's, that's the instructive point which is that unlike a lot of assignments, this is not going to be, you know, Seth Mark and Lee Fitting and the rest, you know, the rest of, of the gang there. This is about Peyton. And so if there is somebody that is outside the ESPN ecosystem um, and Peyton wants that person, believe me, they're going to do everything they can to get that person. Right. They're not right. going to say no to him. Right. Well, I want to be clear. I'm, just, I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm sure this person's not in the mix because they're busy enough. But I'm just going to use the name as a, if Peyton says he wants Pat McAfee, for example, who does not work for ESPN. Pat McAfee's going to get that job just based on the fact that that's what Peyton. It, it, what Peyton wants is what Peyton's going to get with this deal. Correct. I, I absolutely believe so, except for one thing, which is that there are people outside of ESPN who he may want who have contractual you know, handcuffs, so to speak. And so that's something that ESPN is probably not going to be able to maneuver. Of course, you know, there could be penalties or money to assuage certain things and make certain covenants go away. Um, But then that gets really, that gets really expensive. And quite frankly, if somebody, if another network has somebody that they want under contract and they have those collars on that contract, that's because they're really worried about that person's bandwidth. You know, and so it's always interesting. There's there's two ways to look at it. One is we don't want to give our person to the competition or the second is it's great for us because it shows that we have the person that everybody wants. It's a great advertisement for our product when that person's on ESPN air, you know, and you could line up 100 executives and probably 50 would think one way and 50 would think the other. You know, I talked about this with Joe Buck on this podcast last week. Yeah, that was a great interview. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I said to him, you know, if you're just going by personality and hosting skills, talent, et cetera, you know, ESPN, I thought, had the perfect guy to host with Peyton and Eli and Kenny Maine. And then obviously he gets let go. But Joe made the point that, you know, Kenny, Kenny would want to be doing his own stuff. And you need what Joe said is you need someone really young, an up and comer or someone really old who's confident enough where like this is going to be the Peyton Manning show. And Eli to a lesser extent. So the host can't try to really dominate or even get in too many things. Do you agree with the Joe's assessment on that? Absolutely. First of all, Joe's wicked smart. But second of all, you know why we're talking about Tony Romo and Tony Romo is going to the bank with that check every week is because Jim Nance set him up perfectly. He wasn't trying to compete with him. He gave him all the oxygen he needed. It's much harder than it seems 
then it looks, then it feels, then you can listen to it. I mean, Nance, I think, I mean, obviously Jim Nance is damn good at what he does, but his ability to kind of give birth to Romo for, I mean, obviously Romo was a natural at it, but the truth is that maybe paired with somebody else. Remember, Tony Kornheiser was in the Monday Night Football booth. That did not work out well. And it's a really difficult thing. So I would think that uh, for me, uh, I mean, I like Kenny Maine, but Kenny and Peyton, that, that's, you have two people trying to pick the same spot and that just won't work. What they really need is somebody who's going to be super smart and who's going to understand the chemistry between Peyton and Eli and get the hell out of the way. Right, right. And they, well, we are two and a half weeks away from the first Monday night. So um, I would imagine a decision has to come down pretty soon, no? Well, it's not only that, but you have to be really, really quiet about maybe some auditions and some tryouts that you're doing because these things can go myriad ways, right? And you just can't pick somebody that you've got a gut feeling about. You've got to get in the booth. You've got to do some recording. So at least that's how I feel. You know, you right. don't, the last thing you want to do to Peyton and to Eli is make a mistake. Even if it's somebody that Peyton wants, you've got to get that person on their feet and see how it works. So I hope right now they're doing some quiet testing. Be, you know, it's like what Reagan said to Gorbachev, trust but verify, um, you know, even if it is Peyton's choice. Yeah. How should, um, how should Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and, and Lewis Riddick feel about this? Forget about it. Just, you know, they, they have a big, big job that they have to do every week. And the last thing they need to be doing is looking at this other thing. Who cares? I mean, all they, I, you know, I know it sounds like an easy thing to do. And I think Steve Levy is capable of making it that easy. Just, just keep, keep the focus on what you're doing in your booth and making that show the best it can possibly be, particularly after such a fractured, pothole-laden, you know, recent history. Right. Um, moving on from the Monday Night Football alternate broadcast, uh, came out this week, Max Kellerman will be off of first take. Andrew Marshall in the Post said this was a Stephen A. call. I would imagine if Stephen A. is making $12 million a year, ESPN is going to do what he wants. Um, you know, uh, it's a tough thing there because, you know, Stephen A. is, they're taking care of Kellerman. They're going to give him a morning radio show and a TV show. But you think, does this maybe make Stephen A. look bad a little bit if this is true? Or what do you think? No. I mean, I, first of all, I think Marshan said that Stephen A. was making eight. It's like, you know. Twelve, like, I think he said. On, on a weekend. Um, uh, it's more than, I, I, think it's, I think it's more than 12. But the, wow. but the point is, though, that he supplies a lot of tonnage. He clearly is the, the star of that show. And if somebody's not working for him, then that person is going to go. And I don't think anybody who watches that show uh, is going to be, I mean, no offense against Max, it's going to be mad at Stephen A for, for Max getting cut out. The question becomes, though, what does Stephen A really want? Because if he wants, you know, like a lamp there, then I think that's kind of shitty. 
And yeah. that's that's not great for the viewers. Stephen A should be equal to the challenge of having somebody with a triple digit IQ who's going to be really smart, really funny, understand the dynamic that goes on, which is Stephen A gets 10 words to everybody's one, but still have somebody formidable. If it's just, you know, somebody who's going to sit there and, and, and just be a sycophant, I think that's when you start to say, this doesn't look good for Stephen A. I don't watch the show. I, I see clips on Twitter that whatever they go viral, or, you know, but I would I would imagine the. I know it's a debate show, but I would think what you need more than anything is someone who's got some personality and is entertaining because, I mean, at the end of the day, 99 percent of the debates are stupid. I mean, you know, who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? I mean, yeah, OK, we're not exactly, you know, curing COVID here. So, like, isn't entertainment more important than like winning the debate? Yeah, but remember, you have three hours to fill. You have you have a bunch of time to fill, right? Yeah. And so that's why they come up with sometimes these goofy constructs and and like weird debates and like these questions, uh, you know. That I mean, quite frankly, I don't I don't care about. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of young eyeballs in front of cold pizza watching this stuff, and they're they care or they're entertained by it. But in order to do that, though, going back to my other point, you need to have two credible people. Now, somebody's not going to be as boisterous and they may not be as incredibly highly opinionated as Stephen A, but you you got to have somebody who's going to at least give him a run for his money. Does anyone on-air talent only have more power to ESPN than Stephen A? Right now, uh, no. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. And is it solely based on the money that that show... I mean, you know, you have like a Scott Van Pelt who does not... is not promoted in the way that Stephen A is, it seems like, but he turns along the Midnight Sports Center. It does well. He's well-liked. When it comes to sort of ESPN pushing personalities, he doesn't get nearly the push that like a Stephen A gets. Is it because First Take makes more money than the Midnight Sports Center? What is it about that... I mean, tonnage is a big deal. Right particularly for ESPN, right? 8,760 hours a year. I mean, you, so when you get a show that goes across the week like that and and also delivers younger eyeballs and time spent viewing is pretty high, you know, I mean, that's that's how you get the salary that he, that, that he gets. Uh, I think that, I mean, arguably when Chris Berman was still in his prime and even in his waning years, uh, you know, he probably had a lot of, he had a, he had a big seat at the table. Let's put it that way. But the other thing is that remember something ESPN through the years has always tried to make sure that no one, and this goes back to when Keith and Dan were, you know, the first sports center anchors on the cover of TV guide. I mean, they were getting trampled on by executives in the sense that they were trying to keep the toothpaste in the tube and not let them be out of control and egotistical. So I still think for for most of ESPN talent, they, you know, there's nobody uh, that's kind of has the kind of influence and the audacity. Let's say that um, shit. Sorry. Is that is that Larry David? Is that Larry? If it's no. Larry, you can take it. If it's anyone else, you have to still do the podcast. No, unfortunately, it's okay. not Larry. All right, it's not Larry. Damn it! I Sorry wish it was Larry. When was the last time you had contact with Larry? Uh. Early in the summer, I believe. 
how how are his spirits in in the middle of covid you know a sad, you happy as a larry is a happy larry um no i think that uh i mean look one of the things that uh i love about larry david is that if if he does laugh or if there is good news it is incredibly well earned cuz you're starting like so deep down. like everybody else you know you're kind of like starting at sea level and right. so like if we if we see something that's good or we see something that makes us laugh you know it's like this kind of jump like larry's down here you know right. and i can't tell you Jimmy, how many comedians and this was goes back to the saturday night live book and even like before who have said that the greatest thrill in their career is making Larry David laugh. I mean, that is, that's the lottery prize. Yeah. Because yeah. you know that he never does anything just for the sake of doing it. He's never going to do anything just to make, I mean, maybe his new wife, but I'm just saying, right. he's not going to do anything just to make somebody feel good. <laughs> and so everything, it's a, like, it's a true meritocracy with Larry David. Yeah. So, well, we'll circle back to Larry and Curb and, and your book. Well, let's put a bow on ESPN, the last thing. Um, you know, they went through a hellacious couple of weeks there with the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols situation. And then uh, I think it was Stephen A. He got in trouble for comments about Shohei Otani. And uh, when all that happened, I had Martian on the pod. And I said, you know, just as an observer, it does seem like there's something off with Jimmy Pitaro and the company and... There just always seems to be anarchy. There always seems to be something that's, you know, bad PR or, or, or unpleasant. Or Now, they've been quiet here for a couple of weeks. Is that a fair observation or is it like, you know, this is the TV media business and people are crazy and this is what happens? I get asked this a lot because ESPN is an outlier. I, I think there's probably two contextual things to mention. First of all, I mean, at one point, ESPN had a thousand people on air under con that they were paying for on air. So they're so big that chances are that there's always going to be like a hiccup, a pothole, or like like an atom bomb going off somewhere sometime. Second of all, I think that it's just endemic to the ESPN culture that people don't keep it inside. I mean. I'm sure you know, there's a lot of crap that's gone on this summer at other places. They just do a better job of containing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's unfair to, I mean, I don't want to be a Pataro apologist, but I think, first of all, Pataro is, he, he doesn't have one. George Bodenheimer was running ESPN. Mark Shapiro would literally level somebody if they had leaked something or you, you kind of understood. I mean, Steve Bornstein, nobody's going to mess around. Like, and this is nothing against Burke or Norby or anybody, but Jimmy a lot of times is the person that talent wants to speak to. And if there's a problem, talent wants to talk to, or the reporters want to talk to him and get the quote. There's, you know, there's not a lot of people out there that give great quote, uh, so to speak, at, at ESPN besides Jimmy, um, in part because of his title and and is important his influence over the product. So I think that it's a, it's a really tricky, it's a tricky thing. But the other problem is that sometimes they dig these holes for themselves where they say, well, we're going to keep politics out of sports. We're going to keep race out of, out of sports. And we're going to keep people's personal opinions out of sports. It's like, it's impossible to do. 
Well, one of one of one of the I thought you know with the Rachel Nichols Maria Taylor controversy, one of the things that came out of that, and it was a bad job by me, and I think anyone who covers sports media in that at the time, how was it not criticized more when when they blew up Countdown? I think the last version that flopped was with Beatle and some other people, and they named Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols is like, you know, they're both going to host it and we'll randomly decide who gets the finals. And you, if you have a show like that, you need to have one host. You want to have someone fill in, people take vacation and all that. But like the fact that it wasn't established who the main host was, and I'm not saying it should have been Rachel or Maria. It could have been either one. They're both excellent at what they do. But when you look back on the fact that that was how they handled it in, you know, not naming a number one host it's not completely shocking that the whole thing ends up blowing up and being a disaster. Well, I think when the real history is written, you might want to pay attention to some contracts because I think it's even worse than that. It wasn't that. Do tell, do tell, do tell. It wasn't that they didn't decide. I mean, can you, I mean, part of the legacy of what we're going to be looking back on, um, Let's just say that when somebody has something in a contract that they have a certain role and then people decide to ignore it, um, that's a mess. And it also, the other problem is that that sent a signal across, across all sports, forget about the NBA, to talent. I mean, I, had, I knew agents and on-air people who were calling saying, wait a second, I got it in my contract that I definitely get this and this. What does this mean now? Because so-and-so had it in her contract that she got X, Y, and Z, and they took it away from her. And so that's that's a real problem. Sounds I mean, like- the, other, the other problem is that even before Beatle, there was the Simmons and Sage Steele era. Like, Magic Johnson. You know, they spent Magic Johnson. They spent a ton of money on the NBA. At one point, there were layoffs. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, the layoffs were directly linked and inextricably connected to the NBA deal. You know, people in Burbank, the CFOs, that you know, the money people, you could make that case or you couldn't. That's that's beside the point. But the other problem is that ESPN has failed repeatedly to do great shoulder program in the NBA. And it's a double pain in the ass for them because Turner does such a great job. And so it's like we're spending all this money and we get, oh, the finals and we put them on ABC and everything else. And yet at the same time, if you can't get your act together and really put together great programming and a great cast of characters to carry that programming, um, you know, that's what a lot of people get paid for. And it's always been the NBA's uh, ESPN's Waterloo. Sounds like Rachel was supposed to host the NBA finals, but. You don't have to say that. Um, I'm just reading between the lines. All right, enough about ESPN. October 1st, The Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark comes out, and then in October, HBO announced Curb will return for season 11. I think you were on Twitter, and everyone should follow Jim on Twitter. Uh, You said you think it's going to be October 24th for the Curb debut. Now... A good host would have you come on here and say, tell me what you know about the season of Curb. I don't want to know. I want to go in fresh. I don't want spoilers. But 
have you can you give me sort of like a roundabout what have you heard about this season I, I, I will say one thing right off the bat I know Richard Lewis not in this season because he had some medical issues which bums me out because no he no is no so, he's going to be on it oh he I thought he, he they said no Richard Lewis because of some health issues I know but he's made it into season 11 I don't want to give anything to no that's great okay good to, but I mean we all love Richard and he had three surgeries and okay. I'm just so glad that he He's going to be part of season 11. Uh, obviously, um, the loss of Bob Weinstein continues to, you know, be sad. But there is, and I, I promise I won't give it away, but there yeah, is yeah. one delicious addition to the cast uh, this season, which is, is great. I'll tell you based on season 10, who I wouldn't have minded if they made them a permanent cast member for season 11. And that was John Hamm. He was so freaking good in that episode last year where he was basically Larry. So good. Do you so know good. if we see him at all in season 11? You can give that if you, if, if you know that, because I would uh, love to see him again. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. But you know, okay. the other thing is when John Hamm hosts Saturday Night Live, man, he brings it. Like, you know, yeah. there, are, yeah. there are hosts on a Monday night. They like sit there with their arms folded and I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do this. And that's going to make me sound like a jerk and you know, whatever John Hamm you saw it in Curb too. The guy is great, yeah. and he really you, does crush it. If you want to see a really funny John Hamm thing, um, Billy on the Street, Billy Eichner, who I love and is hilarious on Twitter, he does a Billy on the Street with John Hamm, with the two of them just running up to people. Ask it's Billy Eichner saying, "Do you want to have a threesome with me and John Hamm?" And John Hamm standing there, and a lot of the, you know, some people are like, "Well, I'll have sex with John Hamm, but not you." And some people are like, "Oh no, I would never." And then they see John Hamm, and like, "Oh well, you know, it's really funny. It's on YouTube, so check that out if you." I mean, poor John. I mean, the problem is that he's so freaking good looking, and his persona on Mad Men was so antithetical to you know comedic, but he's he's absolutely very in addition funny. to being you know most people's uh, hall hall pass. Um, he's he's just hilarious. Very funny. Um, I'm going to go into the Sopranos movie with very low expectations. I not for like, listen, it's, it's David chase. So you shouldn't have low expectations, but for me, just, this is just me personally. The fact that no one from the show cast is in the movie sort of, uh, tamper, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Lessens my excitement level tempers. That was the word. Am I, but tell me what you know about the movie well, in terms of. You know of what, though? Here's the thing. If David had put the cast members in, then you could say, geez, I hope this doesn't wind up. I don't know. I just, Michael Imperial, yeah, like, I can't, can't imagine him. Like, like what are they going to, like, earlier right. and later? And how's that going to work? I think David made a really shrewd, smart decision, which is not to take those people. First of all, it doesn't really work with the conceit, right? This is a prequel. Right. So it's very, very hard. I mean, unless you're going to pull some serious Benjamin Button shit, you know. Right. No, no. I know it couldn't be done. I know it couldn't, there was no way to do it if you're doing a prequel. But for me, it doesn't, you know, if you, maybe I would be more excited if there was a movie about what's going on now, although you can't do that with, unfortunately, James Gandolfini not being here. But listen, if you tell me there was a way to see, you know, Edie Falco doing Carmella and Michael Imperial. Well, he ended up dying. This is, but those people, I would love to see them again. The fact that this is not that it tempers me a little bit, but I don't blame them. They had no choice. Yeah. I made a strategic decision 
about a decade ago. I start with low expectations on, a, on virtually everything. I, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like just winds up being a lot easier to manage. Right, um, right. But let's face it. You know, one thing that we all know about David Chase, David Chase, even though he was working in television for so long and then, of course, created this unbelievable show, David Chase's respect and affection and desire to be part of the movie business has always been paramount. And so I'm just, you know, just on that alone, like this guy is finally getting, you know, up to bat, carte blanche up to bat. So, you know, I mean, I gotta, I, I, I gotta believe he's going to come through. I, I hope at least that's the case. So we mentioned the Sopranos and Curb Your Enthusiasm, both of course, smash hits for HBO and Jim, who has written must read books on Saturday night live and ESPN among other things has a book called Tinderbox coming out in November on everything and then some on HBO. Do we have an exact date for the book? 16th, November 16th. November 16th. And I know the last time you were on, we talked about it briefly, but you really cover everything about HBO in this book. I mean, you're going back to when it launched, t- shows that people barely heard of probably from the early 80s up until now. Um, so we'll have you on when the book comes out to go in depth on it. But um, it... I'm looking forward to it and I'm glad oh, knowing you, you covered, you really did cover everything in this. I saw the back, you tweeted the, the cover and the back with the quotes. There's a good quote from Larry there if you want to mention it, but um, you know, it's the, the array, the, the array of people who have worked on HBO shows too, you know, you see Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you think Seinfeld, but Veep was as good as any show in the last, you know, 10 years to come down the pike and, um, yeah, she only won me- the Emmy six years in a row for that. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, by the way, I I really I say this in the book, but comedy wise, with all due respect, as they say to everyone else, uh, our generation. I mean, there's Julie Lou Dreyfus. I mean, she just kills it. She just crushed it. Obviously, as Elaine, you know, I first interviewed her, you know, about SNL. She got there when she was 21 or 22, and she did not have a good experience. You can't really look at her early days on SNL and say, uh, wow. I mean, obviously, she was talented and attractive and all that stuff. But uh, she has put together, I think, the greatest portfolio for a comedic actress of our, gen- of our generation. Without a, without a doubt. I, it's it's unbelievable. And, uh, and she's terrific talking about feet. And I like that you didn't. I, I like that you're not just covering the, the the dramas and the sitcoms. I know you know. I think there's something in there about comic relief with Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams. Um, do you get into inside the NFL at all? Oh yeah, sports. Okay. The, I mean, I'm a sports. You know, so yeah, yeah, sports yeah. documentaries. Um, I had, you know, lots of, lots to cover yeah. in that. So I can't. How many how many pages we got on this one? Well, I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, yeah, it's it's bigger than uh, it's bigger than CAA and uh, ESPN. It's uh, 954 pages. Keep you keep you busy right through the holidays. That's the goal, right? But there's an audio version and a Kindle version, so <laughs> you don't have to lug it around. No, I'm looking. No, because I love the C. I love the SNL book, and uh, I'll be into this book. So, but we'll have you on when we're closer to that and uh, get in depth on it. I appreciate yeah. you coming on, and Thank you so um, much. we will uh, talk curb and. HBO in November. 
Great. Thanks right. so much, Jimmy. Be well, Jim. Bye. All right. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, weekly train of thought segment with Sal Licata from SNY and WFAN here in New York. We'll get into some items to discuss. Sal, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this today because, so for people who don't know, Sal appears on SNY, local sports station here in New York, and you do debate segments on, on most of the shows that you appear on. And then this week we got the news that Max Kellerman is leaving first take. Um, and Andrew Marchian reported it's because Stephen A wanted him off the show. So I'm curious for your perspective. Can you do a good sports debate show if you don't like the person you're doing with, with or don't respect the person you're doing with or you don't feel like the person you're doing with is bringing enough to the table? Well, those are three different things. I think you can do one if you don't like somebody. And for the record, I usually work with one person, you know, Moose. So I, and him and I have been friends for a long time. So generally, I've worked with him over the years debating. So I haven't had that issue. But I've worked with different partners over the years. I've been there for almost 12 years. Right. And on if the radio, you, when you do radio on FAN, you have a partner and then you end up debating too. Yeah. So, and that, yeah. and that could happen. And that's, you know, a tricky thing. Here's the number one thing. If you don't like somebody, it doesn't matter. It could turn into a good debate. If you don't respect somebody... That's an issue. But the number one thing, and I'll say this, and I've said it to Moose, I've said it with other partners that I've worked with on radio, as long as the other person, or me included, doesn't take the argument personally, you'll be fine. I mean, we can argue over Robinson Cano's contract extension or whatever trade or whatever team we think is going to win or not. It really doesn't mean anything. It's our opinions. As long as you don't, A, 
make it personal or be disrespectful and then b take it personally where they're not arguing with you you're arguing the point you're not debating each other you're debating the topic so yeah i think that it, it really shouldn't matter then who you work with if you follow those guidelines well see this is why i can never do a debate show because if i said tom brady is the greatest quarterback of all time and the person i'm debating with says no he's not i'd say you're an idiot and that would be the end of the- <laughs> so like, i can't do it i just can't i can't do it I know, and it is. I also, and you, we, and you said about you can, this for years. Yeah, off, you know, I can't off the do air. it. You've always said the same thing. I don't know how you do it. I can't deal with it. I don't yeah. have patience for it. Right. I would just say you're stupid and move on with my life. <laughs> I also think it's interesting to me that you said you don't have to like someone to do a good debate, but you have to respect them. I usually don't respect people I don't like. Well, so would, you don't. You're right. You don't have to respect them. But if you going into a debate, if you got to be able to feel like you could be yourself and that the person you're debating with is going to be at least on par with what your knowledge is on whatever the subject is. That's what I mean. There are certain people you work with, you're like, oh, this person has no idea. Well, I don't respect them as much as maybe I would another person. So it's a tricky thing. But like I said, as long as you don't make it personal. I wonder wonder what it was about Kellerman that Steve... I don't know what it was. I don't think you could listen. I don't watch the show, but I, I don't think anyone would say like Max Kellerman doesn't know what he's talking. Like he follows sports. So like, mm-hmm. he, yes, he may have outrageous opinions. Like if you want to say, I don't know, um, you know, Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFL. Like he's not coming out with like outrageous opinions. Like, so I, you know, I do wonder if it's personal, professional, a little of both. It's interesting that one person would say, I don't want to have this person debate me anymore on this show. I, but do we know that that's really the whole dynamic? I mean, I, I and, and look, if you're Stephen A. Smith and you have the power to choose your partner and you feel like for whatever reason it's not working, you've had enough of this guy. Look, I mean, I hate to even bring this up, but I know you're a huge fan of it. You know, Mike and the dog. One of the reasons right. why they broke up was because they had enough of it. Now, they weren't debating each other necessarily, but doing a show together all those years you know, sometimes the personalities don't gel. You get sick and tired of one another. Maybe it just got to that point where they weren't vibing as friends. They right. weren't connecting. And, and Stephen A. Smith is like, you know what? It's just not working. And let, let's find somebody else. Now, that point, I understand. I do think after a while, you sort of get sick of people and you need to move on. They, I think they did it for five years, which isn't wow. that long. That but, long? Feels well, like see, five months. <laughs> no, they, yeah, five years. Yeah. I haven't paid attention to it. I mean, I just don't watch it. No disrespect. Right, right. I just don't watch it. But. Right, right. I understand. Uh, speaking of watching, have you watched any of the three episodes of Hard Knocks on HBO for topic I, number two on Train of Thoughts? I am ashamed to say that I have not. All year long, I've been saying football season starts when Hard Knocks airs. You and I talked about it weeks back. I said I couldn't wait to watch it. I don't care who the teams are. It's one of my favorite shows. I have not, A, had the time, or B, made the time to watch it. I do plan on watching it a little bit later on this evening. But no, I have not watched one second of it. I've been completely bored by it. And last night, uh, Tuesday night, you know, everyone on Twitter was trying to get likes and retweets, so they kept tweeting the video of the first three minutes of the drone, which was very okay. cool. Let me know what... Three minutes of the drone, which was cool, and then fifty-seven minutes of complete boringness. So it just there's just just been nothing there. I mean, and it's a li- like the the um, I was going to use a word, but I don't. Let me fi- let me figure out the appropriate word. The fawning uh, over Jerry Jones gets a, it's a little much, but. Is, that, is he the best part of it? I, again, I'm looking forward to checking no, it out. No, there is no best part of it. I mean, it's just boring. And Has I, McCarthy I, come across I, like he has a clue or no? 
not really. I mean, you know, listen, I, I've said this all along. I think social media killed that show. They got a good bounce back the one year with the Browns. I just don't think the Cowboys have the personalities. I think that you need personalities. They don't have the personalities. So. You know what's interesting, too? And I've actually watched. I, I, t- I took the time. The Jets do one, right? And I feel like other teams are doing it, too. The Jets do one. It's called Jets. One Jets drive or something like that, where it's similar. It's not as well done as HBO, but it's kind of similar. And I feel like we've seen more of those from individual teams. It, it's it's not as much as I love Hard Knocks. It's definitely lost its luster and not the same right. that it was you know, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. Right. Um, topic number three here for train of thoughts. Did you watch SummerSlam over the weekend? All right. Let me just preface it by saying I am not into the current stuff. I've gotten out of the current storylines maybe for a couple of years. However, well, I, I followed along a little bit on Twitter. I know you had Roman Reigns on. I happen to like him. I love Cena. So when I saw that Cena was coming back, I was like, all right, let me see. So actually on Monday, and I didn't even know you and I were going to discuss this, I had some time and I was like, let me just see what this is about and kind of buzz through it. So I did watch the parts that I would be interested in and checked it out and and saw enough of it, I think, to have an idea of what went on. Now, did you also did you watch CM Punk by any chance on Friday night? I by luck, I did. I was on watching TV. I think I was watching whatever the Yankee game was or something that was on Friday. And I was on Twitter and somebody said that punk was coming out or, or something so i happened to flip it on real quick and i did i did catch that you saw the grown man cry tears of joy when cm punk came out i mean just, come on now that's I, a little bit much i look cm punk even when i was into it occasionally back then he never really did it for me and right. i didn't I, I wouldn't say that i don't know about you I, I wouldn't say that that was a wow my god home run moment but the pop that he got was incredible when you watch that back right uh, on video so the reason I bring it up is because I do think, you know, everyone from AEW says it and everyone from WWE says like there's no wars, like the Monday Night Wars with WCW and WWE. And they say there's no W. But I th- I do think the, the reason I wanted to bring it up, I do think that the CM Punk return on Friday night and the overwhelmingly positive publicity, the buzz the rating for it like was up 50% from the week before. I think that hurt SummerSlam from the standpoint of the bar was raised. People had expectations. If you follow it closely, which I don't follow it. I follow the big stuff closely. I don't follow Mm -hmm. the undercard stuff. People were livid about, I mean, Becky Lynch returned, which got everyone excited, but she beat the champion in like five seconds. So people were livid about that. Well, yeah, I actually have an issue with that. Now, I, I followed a little bit with Bianca Belair and saw right. how I, I just it just doesn't make sense to me. And Becky Lynch, whatever, right. she doesn't really do it for me either. But the fact that you would come back and beat your champion almost for like a year or so, because I think I did watch the Royal Rumble. That's when she won, if I'm not mistaken, right. or whatever. How does she beat her in, in a non-match in two seconds? That right. was who the hell? Who's coming up with that crap? I can't remember. I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I don't know about recently, and who knows? Because now fans are just back in this in this in this arenas now. I can't remember something being so unpopular and getting fans so pissed off as what they did with that. And then now, for me personally, now me pers- this is just me. Mm-hmm. To me, there's no one more boring. Is when he comes on, I change the channel and I'm out, and that's Brock Lesnar. So oh, he came back, God. and then I was done with that. So it was not a. Gr- I mean, I thought the Cena Rain stuff was great. The well, Cena, anything Cena and, does is fantastic. Range has been really yeah. good when, since he turned heel. He's yeah. been great. So yeah, and then that's they bring fun. out Brock Lesnar, and I'm going to bed. 
Exactly. I was like, mm-hmm. this is the big, this is the big move. It just didn't, by the way, I went to watch it, right? So I go to Peacock and I'm sure everybody's had these issues. I go to Peacock and I'm looking for, I can't even find it. I, it's not on the latest episode. I click it and I'm watching what I think is SummerSlam. And I'm like, why are they all screens again? I thought that we got past this. I thought that, so I was texting my buddy. Actually, I texted Monzo. I go, dude, why weren't there people in the crowd? He goes, I think you're watching last year's SummerSlam. I had no idea I was watching the wrong one. Peacock makes it impossible to even find the thing. But then I did, and I had two issues with that. Lesnar being like, like it's some big deal and beating Bianca Belair in, in two seconds, which I just thought was ridiculous. Usually I come off as the old fart with the streaming issues, but this time it was you, so that's good. I you know how to how get work. it. I, I like Peacock for other stuff. Their WWE thing is... Yeah, it's bad. Com- it's bad. Well, it's so I want. I went on WWE Network over the weekend to search something. There's no search bar to search on the WWE Network, which is a major problem. All right. Topic number four, last topic here of Train of Thoughts. I didn't tell you we were going to discuss this one, but I wanted to get your fresh thoughts. I don't even know if you know about it. Because this is my favorite story by far and away today in the entire world. I can't get enough of it. Did you see this story about the guy who was on the cover of the Nirvana album suing the band? I did, which I still have an issue. I saw, You know why I was so about it? Because you tweeted about it. I, I, I'm not comprehending it properly. Now, all of a sudden, he's going <laughs> to sue them? I love a good flimsy lawsuit story. <laughs> so this is right up my alley. Did, that, did, did whoever you tweet respond back to you saying that it was yeah. the American? So I tweeted my former SI colleague, Mike McCann, who's a lawyer and does a great job with all this. And he's like, well, first of all, the statute of limitations is up because the guy's like in his 30s. Yeah. Right. And then there's a certain amount of years after you're a minor where you can sue. And that's expired. Then I find out, though, the guy is like recreated the cover. The guy has tweeted about how great it was to be on the cover. So now, and now he sues. Also, I would have to think, now I don't know this to be fact, but I would have to think that somehow when they were making that cover, they got it approved by the kid's parents or something, didn't they? They didn't just steal well, a photo and use it. Who know, Maybe the who knows? Who know? I don't know the details there. Where the uh, hell yeah, did they you, find you, that photo anyway? I'm sure it was part of a photo shoot for the album. I, listen, I, I would assume the rec- whoever Nirvana's record label was has everything legally done properly with I mean there's image there's right photo rights issues. You can't put any photo on an album and, or CD at the time whatever it was right. and put it out like they're legal. I'm sure the record com- this isn't a Nirvana deal. This would be the record company and I'm sure they vetted and did everything legally about using that photo. So um, the guy doesn't have a case, but I just find it, the lawsuit's just, it's, it's just so amusing. Yeah, that's up your alley. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it wasn't the, maybe it wasn't blacked out. So that was allowed to be shown. I mean, would that be allowed to be shown now, the full nude baby in public I, I, like that in a store? I mean, I would assume because it's a baby. I don't, you know, maybe they covered it like, like they do with like nudie magazines. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't, oh, right. rem- I don't remember. I'm, I'm not even sure. I don't remember at the time. I don't remember it at the time being a big deal. Me neither. Which, I mean, I had yeah. it, and I, I got to. Well, I'm going to go to uh, Borders. I asked you. I don't know if I saw. I was doing it. The fantasy. I got to get my fantasy prep and football Wait, prep. You still, there's no Borders anymore. Yeah. Or no, maybe Barnes and Nobles. I get the oh, mixed up. I got to go there. I'll say. check out the. Uh, you know the, the the nudie magazine aisle and see it. But I don't think that you could show. There's that no on nudie magazines in Barnes and Noble. 
Yeah, they are. They have those. Uh, I mean, you know, I've seen some of them over the last last September when right. I went to check out my fantasy. If, if you are if you are still listening to this podcast at this time, <laughs> I want you to tweet me and Sal at Sal underscore Lakata. There's no way there's nudie magazines at Barnes and Noble. There's I am no way. pretty sure that there are. I right. want to say at least penthouse is there, but maybe more. I've, I've kind of like glanced as I was looking for my wink wink fantasy magazines. I've, I've glanced and saw some stuff. So I believe this, that this is this is what happens when you just have a baby. Um, <laughs> no, now I, I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to get to these stores. Let me go check out Barnes and all or whatever. I wanted to I wanted to read some of the reviews I got left on Apple for the podcast, but this podcast is so long, so we'll do it next week. But I want to read some of the reviews out loud because some of them are really funny. And if you're still listening, leave a review. All right, Sal, appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you. We're getting closer to football season. Next week, we've got to do some over-unders. For the Can't season. wait. Looking forward right. to it. Be well. Take care. All right. My thanks to Nate Burleson and James Andrew Miller and Sal Licata for the pod this week. Great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, leave a review. Subscribe. Um, if you could rate it on Apple, that helps tremendously. If you missed any past episodes, go into the archives of the SI Media Podcast and check them out. Joe Buck on the show last week. Two weeks ago, WWE superstar Roman Reigns and Sirius XM radio host Chris Mad Dog Russo. Three weeks ago, Ian Eagle. Four weeks ago, Brian Curtis of The Ringer. Check them out. Subscribe, listen, download, rate, review. All right. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.